Uh, hi everyone, this is Steve Hargadon. Welcome to the Future of Education. It's Thursday, January 7th, 2010, 2010. I guess tonight is Alan Michelle. Hi Alan, and thanks for being here. Yeah, hi. How are you? I'm good. Steve, yeah. Good. We don't, we don't always do the video, but you're brave and uh, it's always fun to see people live on video. I'm going to do a couple of uh, little pieces of business first before we get started uh, asking you some questions. Uh, the night is sponsored by Learn Central. That's my project at Illuminate, the social network for educators. I uh, hope that you'll come in and see the resources we're building. Give you a chance to use Illuminate for free. Give you a chance to hear Alan's phone ring. And I also want to thank uh, C. Bloom and Associates, uh, the book sponsors. They sponsor my book budget now and uh, much appreciated. Coming up on Conversations.net and Future of Education, some really fun shows. Uh, Howard Rheingold, Yang, Yang Zhao, I hope I'm saying his name right, uh, Next, the week after next. Uh, Dave Eddie Burnett, part of a new Q series. Mark Bauerlein on the Dumbest Generation. Uh, InnoCite, uh, the group from Disrupting Class, a new case study. Uh, Dan Coyle on the Talent Code. Tara Hunt on the Woofy Factor. That should be fun and interesting. A little far afield from our normal, but uh, neat topic. Uh, James Paul G on video games. Shell Israel on Twitterville and his previous work. Uh, Lisa Gillis on online high schools. Larry Johnson on the New Media Consortium. Place Shirky. On and on. Dan Pink. Scott Rosenberg. Sharon Peters on Teachers Without Borders coming up in March. And Tony Wagner on the global achievement gap. I'm not going to turn off Alan's mic because he's going to be coming right back in a second. If this is your first time in Illuminate, I want to make sure you know uh, how, to, how to participate. This is a participative environment. So you'll see I'm going to give myself um, a little hand icon here to show you what's going on. Okay, so um, if you look up here, this is where the you can see the other participants in the show. Uh, down below, you'll see a little box that allows you to raise your hand because this is an interactive session. If you want to ask a question, you can do so by raising your hand and then we'll give you the microphone. To the right of those are some little icons that give uh, an opportunity for you to applaud or a smiley face. And then a little, a little further to the right, a green check for yes and a red X for now if you want to um, respond in some way. And uh, Carol, remind me, what, how, what do you call those in Australia? Because it's, uh, it's not a green check, it's a green something, a tick, a green tick. Um, then in a minute I'm going to give you the whiteboard tools and you'll see there's a little wand with a red star at the end and let you know, let us know where you're listening from. You can send messages in the uh, message area. Although it looks like you can send private messages, do know that you will be sending, uh, that Alan and I can see that message. Well, it sounds like we have other good shows on, so do be aware that we are recording. And if somebody wants to watch this later, they can record. Um, and then if you do take the microphone, this is the microphone button you push to, uh, to start. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to be recording with the Olympics. I mean, re recording. I wonder if we're going to be competing with the Olympics much this year as we've got um, uh, sessions going on. Okay, so here's a map of the world, and you now have the ability to let us know where you're listening from. Click on the little wand with the red star at the end, and then click on the map. And there's Carol in Australia. And Luis from Brazil. 
And Luis, I didn't realize you were so uh, far south in Brazil. What city are you in? Good thing for recordings, right, Peggy? Yeah, I didn't even check the Olympic schedule when I scheduled a lot of these speakers, so we'll just go and see what happens. Oh, and now do we have a, a second guest from Brazil or? And Charlene, if that's Charlene Bloom, we have expressed thanks to you for the the sponsorship of the books. Yes, much much thanks. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to I'm going to take us off the map and move us forward. So, Alan, uh, you and I met in Boston earlier, uh, I guess last year. Uh, and had a chance to visit shortly. But would you give uh, you know, sort of a, a short overview of your uh, work and uh, where it's brought you to today with Home Inc.? Sure, sure. Uh, I got started uh, back in 1976 when I was a graduate student uh, working with um, um, a friend of mine who was a filmmaker. And we volunteered to do some TV work with kids. This was uh, black and white, reel-to-reel, half-inch stuff at uh, the Bromley Housing Project, which was next to where we had a, a little our studio space. So um, that's really how I got started with media. I was, uh, as I said, getting my master's in sculpture, and my friend was a filmmaker. So um, that was the beginning of my work in this field. I, what really captured my imagination was that if you gave a kid a camera, uh, a kid from a housing project a camera, he could, he could interview the mayor, he could talk to uh, a congressman. Uh, he, it was an implicit kind of a contract. And uh, it made, you know, and I was surprised and pleasantly surprised how kids would step up and all of a sudden get motivated, get really interested in the subject, whatever they were going to do the interview with and really blossomed under the opportunities that that, that kind of, of access provided them. We ended up interviewing James Brown when he came to the, the Heinz Auditorium at the time. And you know, there was just other all kinds of opportunities that came out of this. It just, for me, it became very exciting to see uh, how media as an interface could change opportunities and, uh, and the way young people view the world. So when was Not that? Just watching TV. That was that was in um, seventy. Well, seventy around seventy six, seventy eight. I guess maybe was when James Brown was in town. I don't remember exactly when that was, but it was early on. It uh, might have been later then, maybe eighty eighty two. But but we was we got started in in uh, seventy six working with kids. So Peggy's asking if that's your site, and it is. And I'm going to bring it up right now on a web tour. So uh, we'll see if those graphics are working on the front page. They're not. I just realized that I looked at it myself. And I think I know they were doing some work on on uh, on something. So I think what you might want to do is jump to uh, a different page. Or if you go to the home page and you want to look at, uh, let, let's say, the podcast or something like that, click on those things. But I don't think there's much on the front page right now. They're doing some work on it. Uh, 
we'll go ahead and uh, move over in a second. So you should be seeing the About Us page, as Peggy mentioned there. Yeah. And you can open that window up if it's not fully loaded for you. You can, um, you can pull it open to be a little bit larger. So where, where had you gone to school and what were you doing at that time? Well, I went to Tufts, Tufts uh, School, Tufts University at the time. I was getting my master's in fine arts. Okay, and when when this uh, sort of discovery about video and media took place, what what, what kind of work were you doing? Uh, with kids, I, I, I was um, I was volunteering at a, a housing project, a Bromley Heath housing project, and uh, that's how I got started with this. And then when we moved from there to. Uh, um, Developing Home Inc., and uh, which is a nonprofit, and uh, started to uh, do work with the Boston schools and the, uh, the uh, some of the um, the Boston community schools. We did projects with the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army Boys Club. Um, we got involved in a project called Get the Facts About AIDS with the AIDS Action Committee and uh, DIFA Design Industry. Industries uh, uh, Foundation fighting AIDS, um, and we were really able to apply this this uh, this concept um, of um, get, turning turning the creativity over to kids through the use of media to um, explore all kinds of issues, and actually, um, because it was a a genuine inquiry, we were able to actually, inside the schools, explore things like AIDS, that uh, they were having a hard time doing um, with uh, more conventional health education because at the time it, it seemed so prescriptive and it wasn't appropriate. Uh, there was a lot of fighting about the appropriateness of telling kids to wear a condom or, you know, it was very prescriptive, which where what we were doing is asking kids to find out how do you protect yourself from AIDS. So and then Go ahead. Yeah. So so the inquiry base, you know, of doing a story or interviewing someone uh, to find out about something became a much more powerful window for them to explore their own culture and, and their um, what was going on. So how was it initially received and, and how did you fund those initial um, activities? Um, well, it was well received. Uh, um, we, we were able to do uh, some intergenerational projects and bring a lot of other people into the process, you know, because media is in a one-person operation. It's a, it's a, a group effort. And um, and we were able to fund it through things like community development block grant funds that went to the city and Polaroid Foundation and uh, you know we we had to be kind of aggressive and get uh, get some foundation support some individual donors and over the years that's kind of how we've uh, how we initially funded and and created a funding base for what we were doing. Was there a moment at which you felt like uh, something really, some particular project really showcased what you were, uh, what you believed was so important here, and kind of set you on a path. 
Well, uh, yeah, there were there were a couple projects, and they and they kind of there were several. You know, I wish I could say it was. You know, I got started in this early in the middle middle seventies. So, and it took a long, long time for uh, the uh, technology to catch up. At the time, it was very heavy, uh, not particularly good quality, and um, you know, so a lot of people weren't watching it. And today. Of course, with YouTube and um, you know all the other social networking opportunities and cable television, uh, it's 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 ubiquitous. So it's uh, it's a whole different thing. So it's much more popular now than it was then. Uh, and I say that because even when there were exciting and wonderful projects that were happening, they were still uh, had a different kind of impact, and we we weren't really looking. Um, you know, to reach thousands or uh, hundreds of thousands of people that you might want to or expect to be able to reach today. Um, so, uh, that being said, uh, we get the Facts About AIDS project was a very exciting project. I can talk about that in a little more detail. It, what we did is we we um, we created um, uh, an inquiry-based approach where uh, the kids would look at uh, kind of what were the questions or what are the that other kids had about AIDS, and we would we actually compared what they thought were the risk factors by surveying them using an online survey in schools. So we would we would get a large number of kids in the schools that participated that would actually uh, survey that we were actually surveying. And uh, we could compare that uh, for the kids and with the kids uh, with the risk factors that the CDC uh, had acknowledged were the, were the key risk factors for um, getting exposure. And you know they weren't all bad drugs or intravenous drugs, or but certainly unsafe sex was one of them, and and uh, and a lot of the behaviors that the kids were able to to um, to see in the in the in the surveys that they did, they acknowledged they were doing, and so it personalized for them their risk the riskiness of everything. Uh, so they became the researchers and the creators of the media, and they were also looking at their own culture and their own kids, their, their you know fellow fellow students. So that that put the um, that was became a very powerful thing. They became real advocates. So then the next uh, advocates for for prevention. So the very next steps were for them to actually create a campaign. And what they did is created public service announcements and invited speakers in, and, um, and that became a part of the health education for ninth and tenth graders in several of the high schools. So that became a kind of a, a benchmark for us, or, or uh, where we really kind of moved things uh, forward with the school department. Um, and uh, one of the uh, people that we were working with, Nancy Strunk, who was in charge of HIV and STD education in the schools, um, really got excited about that and could see the power of what we were doing. She was so dedicated to prevention and, and what could be done, uh, particularly with the high-risk kids that we were working with. 
And so we wrote a grant to uh, the Department of Ed. And uh, we got the grant. It took us actually two years to get it. The first year they turned us down, and then we thought, oh, we will never get that grant. And then a year later they called us and said they had some money and they weren't going to advertise again because they, they, were, they were just going to select from some of the ones that they would have loved to have fund, funded the first year, and we were one of them. And so we ended up with a four-year grant uh, from the U.S. Department of Education to really develop our model in the schools. And so that gave us four years to work in five schools in Boston and to, to pull together teams of teachers, to test curriculum, to um, actually fund the uh, small labs that we were going to use in the school. So we brought equipment along with the grant. And, and it was just a wonderful opportunity to develop these ideas and approaches and, and uh, look at the you know, how you could work with so tell us how the model works so many today. Kids. Well, we, we, you know, we captured a lot of the same ideas that we had then. We use, we use a lot of online technology. We create actual websites for each of the schools we work with. And those become uh, closed learning environments where kids can explore things um, and work in teams and um, they can look at each other's work. Uh, teachers can look at their work and they can advise the kids. Uh, so the, uh, a teacher, you know, it doesn't have to be about health. It could be about science. It could be about really any subject area. And um, they can go online and, and advise the kids that, you know, when they're home at night, if they want, it's like grading homework, except you don't have to bring the homework home. You just log on and look at the student's work, comment on it, give them advice. Um, could be positive, you're doing great. Could be you're behind schedule, why don't you think of this? You know, but it's very, it really personalizes the learning um, in an amazing way. And it turns the learning over immediately to the student. As soon as you say to the student, well, you're going to create this uh, video, uh, so you got to write your script, so start writing online. And all of a sudden, you know, they're doing the work. And uh, they're researching the uh, subject, and they're immediately involved in the project. And um, it, 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 that's the amazing part of it. It, turns, it's, it speeds up the whole creative process in a lot of ways, and the interactivity and the collaboration and, and ownership of what the students so are So there's doing. some questions in the chat. People are interested in knowing um, if there are some URLs or links to uh, those sites. I think you said they were closed, so I'm guessing that they're not publicly available. Yeah, not, not really. The, um, the, the school sites are for each of the schools and for the students to develop their work. And then um, they do, they do, um, they do uh, publish uh, some of their their work. Uh, well, you know, if I can, if I go online, can I show this to anybody through Illuminate? Is there a way I could do that? Absolutely. So what we'll do is we'll turn off the web tour and have you go to the desktop share mode, and then whatever you look at, we'll see. We won't be able to see the video clips very well if you play them or hear them, but we'll be able to see what's on your screen. It's just that the bandwidth in a Okay. Share is in a strong. Is share selected applications or a desktop region? Is that it? Yep. Share selected applications or desktop region, and then you select the browser that you have that has the 
the site pulled up. Yeah, While you're do doing I have to that, pull the site up first. Um, you have to have your browser open. Okay, I think it's open, uh, and then I can I can work from there. Yeah, so we're beginning to see. Yep, we're seeing uh, the Illuminate page. So it's now sharing. Okay, let me see what I got here. Where uh, I I can see this. I don't know if you can see. Can you see anything at this point? We can. We're seeing your Home Inc. page with the All graphics right. not loading. All right, so I'm going and there's something blocking the front of your page, so my guess is it may be your actual Illuminate session. So um, if you just want to rearrange your screen once you've got the page up so we can see the full screen, there's probably something, the program sitting in front of the actual browser. Okay. Uh, How many schools are involved, Alan? Uh, we, we have 11 schools right now. And, and Peggy asks, the schools are participating in these projects for free, right? Um, no, they actually um, they actually help they do they help to underwrite what we're doing. And can you give us an idea of um, how how much of an investment they have to make? Um, sure. Okay, but this uh, what I'm what I'm bringing you to is the summer the summer program, which. Um, now, can you? Uh, I, am I blocking, or can you? Um, I'm moving it around. Are you seeing me move it around now? You're looking at my desktop. Yeah, we're seeing your desktop, and just be aware of the fact that it uh, it, it updates a little bit slowly for us. So if you move quickly, it it uh, looks very jagged. We're okay. seeing the Teen TV, Boston's Teen Produced Television Show. I remember just how good these sites look when you showed me before. But in front of that screen to the right, we're seeing it's it's blocked, and I think it may be blocked by your. Um, by your Illuminate um, video window, maybe? This? Okay. Did you share your whole desktop or just the uh, application, the browser application? Uh, let me look. I don't know. That's okay. Level here. I'm not sure where the Illuminate is at this point. Pull it aside. And I had some other. Here it is. Yeah. Go up to, go back to your Illuminate session and go up to View Layouts and select um, Left Dock Minimal. View Layouts. I see default wide. Tall, narrow, flat, and white. white okay, so do narrow. Narrow. That's what I have. Okay. So it. I may not be seeing the same thing others are seeing, but are, are those of you in the chat are you seeing the um, the web page correctly? Yeah, there's a there's a there's something blocking that page. You have some program in front of the page. I'm thinking, and it it may well be the Illuminate. Teresa, if you grab the mic, you want to grab the mic? Is there help you can give us here? So 
Peggy's thinking you've selected the desktop and not the browser. Okay. Yeah, so go ahead, uh, turn the turn application sharing off, Alan. That's that same button at the top with the green right arrow. And then turn it back on and make sure you're just selecting the browser. So views, session. Oh, it's the icon. You just click on that same icon. Uh, in fact, I can turn it off here, and then you can turn it back on. Oh, thanks. Okay. So just go up to the top row of icons. Yeah. You'll see a screen with a green right arrow. Click on that. Yeah. And then be sure just to select the browser window. So it says select entry. Uh, Should I, ex should I exclude menu bar? Uh, yeah, try that. I don't know what that is, but give it a try. Because that, that's, that's what I had. I don't know whether I should ex exclude that or not. I don't know. Does anybody know? I'm, are you on a Mac? I, I think yes. so, and I, and I don't get that particular option on my okay. PC, so I don't know. Carol says it's tricky on a Mac. Uh, options, change, change layout, narrow, minimum, move, main top left. Yeah, did you do the desktop share? So I shouldn't, should I raise shared applications to front? That may be the problem. Perfect. So I'll turn that off. Okay. Okay. Okay, how, is that, how does that look? Can you see that now better? Well, we're close. We still have that same gray bar, but uh, why don't you just go ahead? Because there's probably not much more we can do. Okay. All right. Well, um, so uh, I guess the first thing I would I would say is that uh, uh, I, if I, I can go to uh, Somerville and show you Somerville High. And, and so this is what the site looks like. And if I log in, which I'm going to do now, what I have is um, a range of, uh, of opportunities for the students. Uh, we have assignments, as you can see on the top right here. We have a survey, lesson plans. You can create a project. We, we have access to the learning library at MIT. We have a syllabus. And all these things are created using, uh, as you can see, it has tabs I'm showing you here. So you can actually go in and you can edit. Um, so for a teacher, in our case, we have lab coordinators that um, they go in and they actually create their lesson plans. So of course, the, the value in this, in this part of it is, is that once they create one, they can use it over and over again. So they, they tend to spend more time on them initially, and then they have them, and they can modify and duplicate them and, and, uh, and move them around. So this looks like a Drupal site, Peggy saying, and I think it, it is. is, right? Yes, it is. It's Drupal-based. So yeah. the schools, so the 11 schools, each school gets their own site. Right. And then it allows them to set up the variety of these resources. And how many students per school do you think are participating? Well, in the middle schools, we have up to 300 students. 
um, we have all the seventh and eighth graders in um, seven middle schools that are taking the course that we designed, um, and they take they take it once a week for a class period for a full year. In the high schools, it's a little there's a little more there's a more variety, and it's more like uh, they take it every day uh, for up to um, up to uh, 90 minutes, and some of them are shorter. Some of them, but 80 minutes or 90 minutes, and I think uh, are 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 kind of standard for the classes. And it's an elective, and they they have multiple courses that they they're taking. So in this this one in Somerville, we're looking at the high school. Um, this is Somerville High. So I can show you, um, like. Um, if you were if you wanted to look at the assignments, you could see a little bit of what they're doing. These are these so they have a so the teacher here has a student uh, studio rotation that he's teaching, and then he has a silent movie project. So if we clicked on the silent movie project, you can see what that assignment looks like. Now, the importance here is that the students can see this as well, of course, and so they never lost. With what it is they're working on, and if we go down here, I have a calendar. If I go, I'm going to go back to December because uh, it really hasn't kicked off particularly at this point. And then I go to this. This is a studio rotation, uh, and then so the student can go to the calendar. I'll just go back to the calendar again. Um, the student can go to the calendar uh, and see what they're doing that day. Uh, they can click on the calendar and they can see what the project is they're working on. Alan, how unique a model is this where you're providing are you sorry, are you providing any hardware here or equipment for the students? None. Okay. We, we, so the, the, the school provides all the har hardware. Okay, so you have uh, you're providing basically the, cur the curricular aspects of it uh, in the websites, and we, and, and we help staff it, and you help and you do help to staff it. Yeah, well, we we help staff it with a recent college graduate uh, who we recruit we recruit nationally for, and who wants to teach, and we'll do it. It's not an AmeriCorps program, but it's an, it's modeled off of AmeriCorps, so they do it for a stipend. And and then often they'll do it for two years, and and they, they, we've had two that have gotten hired as teachers. And in one school, they actually developed a full; they're developing a full set of courses around this, so that that that's Suburbville High. They're actually developing four courses, and they're going to keep the lab coordinator position as well as hire this year's lab coordinator as a teacher. So that would be a sign of success, right? Somerville says, this program has made a difference for our students. Are there other tangible ways that you're you're able to kind of quantify that you feel like this makes a difference? Yes. Well, well we, we, we survey the kids and uh, before at the beginning of the program and at the end of the program and compare the results. We have portfolios of student work. Um, we have we track the kids and find out how they're doing. We've had several that have gone on. Well, for example, at English High School, all of the all of the seniors last year that were in the program got into college. Most of them with with scholarships. 
And um, that high school has about a 50% graduation rate. So it's, you know, so there's a significant difference in the performance of the kids in the program. And they're usually there for the ones that are in the program and, 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 and go that far with it start in the ninth grade or tenth grade with us and stay with the program. And, and they aren't outstanding students when they start. They're not cherry-picked or anything like that. They're just kids that, that uh, we pay a lot of attention to. We have a summer intensive and the kids get involved. We actually have arranged for them to get paid in the summer and they, they work 25 hours a week and create a magazine style television show. That was the Teen TV uh, site that I, was, that I took you to earlier. I'll, I'll go to that now. And uh, So you're saying they're not great students when they start, but it sure sounds like you feel like they're great students when they finish. Well, they, they, they made a leap. They take, it, they take charge of their own learning. They get, become very responsible about, what it, about trying to get things done and uh, trying to learn new things uh, that take on new challenges because they, they've gained a lot of confidence that they can, they can succeed and be creative. And they find that very fulfilling. There's a social aspect to media, creating media, and going out and meeting people, and being part of a team. Um, a collegiality to that that mirrors the workplace, at least healthy workplaces. And so, um, uh, all of that really helps and contributes to uh, to their success. So. Um uh, have there been some some definitive studies or anything that can be pointed to where someone who is skeptical, uh, you could say, hey, hey, I know this is how I feel the outcome is, but uh, here's, here's some corroborating evidence that involvement in this kind of a media program makes a huge difference in the lives of these kids. Well, we tracked 18 kids over three years at English High School. And um, we found that um, kids that were in the program um, for a year had a 25% higher score in their MCAS test in language arts than the average student at the school. And um, we also found that if they were in there for two years, there, there, there was an eight. I think it was an eight. Uh, I don't have the figure right in front of me, but I think it was like eight, an eight percent higher score. And um, we also found that their uh, attendance at school was much higher. Um, and that's probably the reason why they they were doing better is because they were more engaged. But so that was a three-year study that we did. So this would surely have pretty significant ramifications for uh, social media and looking at the value of involving students in, um, in media projects. Um, do you have um, uh, kind of a, a way of helping those who are reluctant to kind of move into this territory or advice for people who are interested in trying to create the same kind of an environment? Um, advice? Uh, well, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think the idea the, 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 there's a, you, you have to have a kind of a. It's not about media as per se. It's about really making the student the center of the learning and turning the learning over to them as quickly as possible and really being supportive of the students. And when I say turning it over to them quickly, what I mean by that is getting them engaged as quickly as possible so that they're really they're excited about it. And uh, sometimes that's that's giving them free reign. Sometimes that's you know hand holding and and uh, getting them over their first hurdle so that they realize that with some extra effort and and work and and diligence they can actually do what they want to do. So you know it's interesting. Often you know you know our discussion is really about media, but on the other hand, um, the uh, you know, I don't talk that much about the technology. I mean, the technology changes. And, you know, as I mentioned at the very beginning, I started with black and white, reel-to-reel -reel technology that uh, wasn't 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 good at all. Um, but I was excited by it, and uh, and what but what really excited me wasn't the technology as much as what it meant when people had it had it with them. It, it, quick, it, it was like their power. It was like their magic wand uh, in the world. It gave them uh, some cachet when uh, when they didn't have it any as a young person. And uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of this has to do with. Uh, scaffolding those opportunities and being able to see that. So as a teacher or an educator, you, you need to look for those kinds of things as to how you're going to structure your classes so that kids succeed, that, they're going to, that they get to support each other, that they do stretch themselves, um, that you're engaged with them. It's that you're not just turning the project over to them and at the end looking at it and giving them a grade, but you're you're discovering with them, uh, right along with them in a way, uh, how how magical uh, that that moment is when they become when they when they start to get get a point or you get something really exciting happening. And so the the point of using the uh, website is to put you in touch with the kid more often and uh, to be able to to see that happening when it's happening rather than waiting later. So you know, typically we use, we use a website to do distance learning or we use it to manage lots of information um, or to present you know, uh, kind of one-way uh, presentations with typical websites. They're almost like brochures. But, um, what we're really talking about here is is something very different, which is uh, um, really capturing uh, the opportunity and, and customizing the learning by being able to anticipate more quickly what is going on and be and have more time and to think about it so that you can actually act on it for every student. So, uh, are there ways in which this translates to the teaching styles at the school outside of the program or do you feel like you're making an impact in that way as well? Well, I think I think we have. You know, we have a DVD that we that we did on the four-year um, project that we did with US Department of Education and that that 
we, we basically were documenting everything that was happening when it was happening, and then we we uh, took a couple of years to put it together so that we we had some perspective on the whole thing, and um, it really does capture those kinds of moments where you can see a teacher uh, being uh, energized themselves and uh, the back and forth, the excitement of the learning going on there. Um, so that's, an, you know, I, I think we, 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 can, we can see it and, and then we can help teachers with something like the DVD that we have. But um, <clears throat> the other thing is, is that um, uh, it does, t you know, for a lot of teachers, it, t it is a leap of faith to, to work this way. And so by having a young person like an AmeriCorps like we have, like that model that we have, um, really makes a difference in terms of those teachers that aren't the, uh, the, the, the they're not going to be the first ones out of the block, uh, uh, kind of showing people how, what's great about technology because they're, you know, they have difficulties with it or it's not the normal way in which they work or whatever. There's a lots of reasons why people don't step up and, and be the first one to do things. They want to make, you know, they're cautious, whatever. So um, <clears throat> by having someone who's capable in that area but not threatening, uh, someone who's young and uh, can work with an older teacher who's uh, clearly got more experience and isn't, you know, intimidated by, uh, by uh, by that young person, then they can actually learn a lot that way. So, and that's why we, you know we, we think anyone can do this. But but the the, the real key is that you, you can't look at it as is that that you're going to dump all this on on teachers and expect them to be able to magically do this. And we, we we've been in schools that they don't have any technology that's working, and they have you know they haven't fixed it for years. They're having, they're struggling with email, and uh, they want magic to happen. They, you know, they want to show that they're catching up, and you know, it, it's not going to happen overnight. They can, they have to make some investment in the technology. They have to be willing to give teachers planning time, even though they may not be hands-on with the technology. They still have to know how to time their projects so that they give enough time for kids to examine the issue and come prepared with ideas and aren't just um, being expected to be magic magicians themselves when they're learning so much. They're learning the technology, they're learning new information and, and, and new ways of relating and behavior on the internet and, and, and the proper uh, you know, acknowledgement of uh, authorship and all these things that they're learning, they have to put it all together. It's not like they're going to be magically able to do all this. So, you, you, you know, you really have to un be realistic about how much time it's going to take to, to move the ship a little in, in another direction, begin to steer it. But being determined, I think, uh, is is the key. And and um, and uh, schools can do this if they if they get get it on the radar and have uh, some real commitment to uh, what it takes, which is you know an investment in people, technology, a plan for replacement of the technology, you know, we all know that computers get cheaper. They don't get more expensive. So as so uh, you know, maybe maybe they don't spend so much on their aging infrastructure. They do it in the cloud. 
and they rent that. And they save a ton of money there, and they can buy every student a laptop. And there's just different ways of doing this that that make it that can make it very economical, but they have to be able to think that way. Charlene wanted to know if this is available nationally or just in the Boston area. Well, right now we're we are just in the Boston area. We and we're we're not uh, big enough to you know do a national program, but we certainly would be interested in, in uh, cherry picking or being, a, we, we certainly would be interested in helping anyone. Uh, and it's possible that we could do it. I mean, right now we're doing it in Somerville and in Boston. Um, we're doing all the schools in Somerville, which is a great thing because we have complete district support. And um, in, in Boston, we're doing it selectively in certain schools. So um, we, you know, we're, we're certainly interested in, in doing more more schools and more and more school systems. But you know, we we could, you know, we'd have to stage it. If somebody who let's say that somebody here in Australia and they, it looks like they've Carol's got a flip program going, at, we might want to ask her about. But if somebody were interested in doing this somewhere not local to Boston, are there resources to kind of try this on their own? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's what we did. So, <laughs> I, I mean, we, yeah, I, I, uh, I, there are lots of resources out there. I mean, you'd have to piece it together. Certainly, we're one of them, and there's many, many models for youth media out there. And um, so, yeah, I think there are a lot of different options and, and approaches if, if they were interested in. Specifically, the way we do it, you know, there's no reason why with the internet and I mean, we we've got websites and we could create a website for them and uh, you know we could do you know a distance uh, learning thing with it and if they have if they have a group of people involved, um, you know, we could work 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 with them and then you know if it's a big a bigger project would go there. So we don't have the largest audience tonight, and I think in part we're in competition with a couple of other shows. But also, I'm not sure people really fully understand the potential here. So what I'm wondering is, is there a way to kind of more fully communicate that uh, through this medium? Could we do another event or advertise something and say, hey, this is pretty significant, and there's going to be an hour or two hours on helping you set up a program locally that taps into this same thing? And, and maybe a way that helps to shuttle people toward your program, but also provides them with some initial tools. So if they are interested in starting this locally, they would they would have a, a set of skills to do so. It's an interesting idea. Um, you know, within an hour or so, I, I think there's there's a limit to what you could do, but we certainly could do something. Well, it sounds like maybe, uh, hey, Carol, I want you to take the mic, if you would, and, and uh, introduce yourself to Alan, and then take two seconds to tell us about the FLIP program. Because maybe there are programs like this where we could have two or three together and say, hey, these are a variety of ways that people are doing this. And if you, you, know, if you like this model, call Home Inc. and work with them. If you like the FLIP video model, this is what you can do. But, but help to give a sense of the power here. And, and I'll interject, because I don't know a whole lot about this. 
But I do remember there was a program out of Stanford where they were giving kids in the favelas in Rio. And Louise, you're going to maybe recognize this as well. But they were giving kids in the favelas little video cameras and um, allowing them to create um, you know, video casts or podcasts uh, mm -hmm. from where they were. And as I recall, it was pretty significant what was taking place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, uh, there there are uh, a lot. There are lots of uh, programs like that. Um, uh, I've forgotten myself the names of all of them, but uh, you know, I have worked with um, Youth for Social Change um, at Harvard, and and I know that they're doing things in South America in the arts. And I did a workshop for them. It was a uh, it was like a it was an all day workshop where we uh, explored really how you go about shaping a media project for social change and developing the skills and approaches for teachers who want to work that way and use media that way. So um, th there's definitely a movement in that direction, and there's lots of lots of little projects everywhere. I mean, even in Boston, we have Press Pass TV, and we have the ICA's got a media program, and all the cable stations have uh, public access television, uh, and have some kind of youth effort going on. And uh, of course, we have the schools, as as we were saying. Um, but um, but you think you're uh, doing something special? And so oh, yeah, the, all the, yeah, those other programs are going on, but there's something special for you to communicate. Hey, Carol, do you want to jump in here? Sure. Thank you very much, Steve. And um, hi, Alan. Hi, I'm Carol. You can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Great. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me and then about the project. And uh, I'll preface that by saying how I'm enjoying listening to your story about the Home Inc. And it really did resonate for me in how we might use some of that modelling for future innovation projects that are funded here in Australia. And the flip, drive, the flip Drive one was one of those. Um, it wasn't a lot of money, but we do have some to spread around for innovative uh, things like this. And uh, my role was as a mentor uh, for the photographer in residence at Berry Street, which is a, a regional special community type learning environment uh, for kids who are disadvantaged. Uh, the particular group of students whom Rick was um, tutoring were actually all new migrants to Australia, so English was their second language. And they were using the media such as videos, to cut through some of those language barriers. So they were all given a set of these little flip cameras, uh, about $300 each, I think, here in Australia, which you may or may not know, but they're a little um, video camera, which I can see. Yeah, great. I can see you nodding. Um, <laughs> so they, they bought a class set of those. And the whole idea of flip drive was for the students to go out into the community and to video scenarios in the streets uh, about good driving, bad driving, parking, all those things that are really quite confusing for a new person to a country. And uh, they then developed uh, their Ning site and also a wiki site into which they were able to upload their videos. And so the students were able 
to learn about technology, learn about the country and our traditions and our driving habits, bad and good, as well as being able to um, you know, learn together as a group with a tutor who was also learning probably a few paces behind them about how to use the equipment. So it was a really fascinating uh, exercise for a group of young students and I, what I thought would be really nice if they wanted to extend that for next year and I know they do, it would be nice to have a contact with you and Home Inc so that we can compare notes and maybe get some uh, promotional things happening between us. What do you think? Sure, I think it'd be terrific. Um, in the summertime, we, we produce a, ha a half-hour show. Um, it's a magazine-style television show that we do with kids. Um, we have two sites right now that do it, and they produce five half-hour shows in the summer. And it's all about what the, what's going on in the city for teens, called Teen TV. And we could produce, we could send those to you, and you guys could have them to air and look at. And um, you know, if, if you have media, you could send to us. We that would be great. Or you know, we can put it on cable television locally if it's you're producing anything. That we could even use some some stories that you did. You could even do a little segment for us about what's going on in Australia with teens and what their interests are and. You know, we could have we could have a lot of fun like that. So I, I, I think Thank that would be so great. Much. Thanks, Back Carol. Thank you now, Steve. Much appreciated. So I'm excited about this. Uh, I, I'm obviously not the driver here, but we'll let you guys drive it. But I'm, I'd be very interested in Alan kind of drilling down on what makes your program specifically unique, the, the value you see, and and if there are a lot of programs like this, you know, what what do you specifically believe is really important? And in helping to you know create a, a little network of people here who can who can glean value from each other. So the invitation is open to um, to come back and uh, to do a show you know specifically on that if it, if it's helpful. So we only have a couple of minutes great. left. Yeah, uh, we'd love it, and 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 hopefully we'll pick a night when we don't have conflict, so we get a little bit larger audience. But it'll be really fun to um, to hear more about that. So with the few minutes we have left, if anybody had a question they didn't get to ask, I hope that you'll do so. Louise, um, I don't know what you put in the link in there from Brazil and Portuguese, and I don't know what that's specifically to, but it sounds like there are some good um, uh, different things here, and clearly a lot of people are doing things in video. Um, so in the in the minute or two that's left out, uh, can you encapsulate how what you're doing is different than what you think a lot of other people are doing? Well, I think a lot of programs are um, they they are they're organized around individual small groups, and so and as were we when we first got started, and for many years. Um, and what we what we've done is we've 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 even figured out how you can do this with much larger groups of people, um, you know, and reach a lot of kids like in a school, and thereby change the culture of the place by getting more people involved with with uh, creating a voice for young people that drives lot of the thinking about what 
we should be teaching kids and how we should be going about doing that. And I think that's an important difference. So if you're kind of on the if you're kind of a small thing in a school somewhere or in a boys club or you know it, you're doing this wonderful work but no one's really kind it's like the, the tree that falls in the woods uh, it's, it's hard to be heard uh, and I, what's so exciting about what we're doing now with a, with the whole school system is you know we're reaching nearly 2,000 students and um, you know, we're doing planning with the, with uh, multiple teachers, and we're covering full. You know, imagine every seventh and eighth grader going through the school system, and doing that for multiple years. You're going to have literally thousands of young people who have a real understanding of how they might do things with media, and why it's important, and how they can be persuasive. And why they and how they can have efficacy and be have confidence ar around doing that, and I think that that's a very unique uh, aspect, and, and and it's because we have kind of modeled a way of of, of of organizing that. It's still giving a tremendous amount of freedom to the student to be who they are, and uh, and nurturing that rather than you know kind of making everybody conform. And so it's a very powerful kind of way of looking at the world and creating media. And I think it, it's one of the things that's driving social media today. I mean, people aren't creating, uh, mostly aren't creating social media to become film master filmmakers. They're, they're communicating kind of at a very fundamental level about the things they care about. And so um, being better at that, being able to create more uh, uh, important media, in a, in a sense, uh, can really help elevate a lot of the conversation that we're having uh, civically. So Alan, your audio uh, lags for a bit, and uh, you're probably seeing the little uh, yellow. You know, you're just, you're seeing the little really really yellow powerful. dots next to our uh, names that have just gone away. We were, we were catching up to you, so there was probably a brief pause there. Hey, uh, I, I turned my see? video on, Charlene, so you could see the bookshelf behind me that uh, has in part been sponsored by you. So many thanks. I'm clapping for you. And, and uh, Alan, thanks so much for coming on tonight. What a terrific program, and I think you've inspired uh, those of us who are here. We'd love to. I'll, I'll be interested in watching how the connections get made and, uh, and what takes place from this point forward. So thanks to C. Bloom and Associates. Thanks to Illuminate. Uh, thanks to Alan and Home Inc. Uh, do remember we've got a fun schedule coming up for the next couple of months as we compete with the Olympics, I think, for, for time. But, but uh, hope you'll join us uh, for some of these and uh, participate in some way. Uh, any, any final words, Alan? No, I'm, I'm all set. Thanks for staying up late. Sure, appreciate it. Uh, it's a pleasure, and, and I hope uh, people have my email and they can just uh, shoot me an email. I'll be I'll be responsive, and be, would love to to uh, develop uh, communications with folks. Alan, so, do you want to put your email in the chat there because um, I'm, people sure. are asking that they have they they didn't catch that as it came up. Yep. Did that come up? Perfect. Thanks everybody for coming tonight. Thanks, Alan. Much appreciated. You're welcome. It was very thanks. fun. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly.
Yes, and so did we, and we'll look forward to hearing updates. And thanks for turning your webcam on. Makes a makes a big difference to see you there. Great. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Good night. Good night.